Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our Sunday morning service with Pastor David Tijerina. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. chapter 24, if you have your Bibles with you this morning. I have my Bible, and it's more for show now because I can't see. It's a beautiful Bible, but it's like I have to move it way out there, and it's like, okay, never mind. I have it on the screen here. But Luke chapter 24, I'm going to start in verse 13. It says, the same day two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious, religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. As they sat to eat, uh, I'm sorry, I want to jump to verse 30. I'm sure, I think we have it up there, verse 30. As they sat down to eat, uh, he took the bread and blessed it, and he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him, and at that moment he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has risen. He appeared to Peter. Now, I want to go back to 1995 for just a moment. And so, I know some of you might have not even been born back then. It's just sad. But, but back in 1995, I was watching the game. This is an NBA basketball game between the New York Knicks and the Indiana Pacers. And so my friend, he's from New York City, and, and we were going rooting for the uh, New York Knicks. Uh, and uh, the game was coming to an end. There were nine seconds left. Uh, and, you know, we had church in the mornings, and we had church in the evenings. Uh, and so, you know, we we're already late for church. And so nine seconds left, and the Indiana Pacers were down by six points. And so I'm like, dude, we, we got to go. You know, I, I'm in a hurry. I, I got to go. I got to go. And, and we didn't want to we shouldn't have 
But there was nine seconds left that were down, and the announcer said, you know what, it's over. It's, it was an exciting game. Uh, uh, the Knickerbockers really just took it to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, and, you know, it was one of those Chick Hearns moments. How many remember Chick Hearns? Yeah. The, the Lakers announced, I love Chick Hearns. I like Chick Hearns. And Chick Hearns, you know, I remember the first time listening to him, the Lakers were, were winning. It was a, towards the end of the game, and he says, the refrigerator is closed, the lights are out, the eggs are cooling, the butter is getting hard, and the jello is jiggling. <laughs> so it was one of those moments. And so how many remember that old saying back in the 70s? Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. It was all over the all over TV, all over Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, you know, all these good old, don't touch that dial. Batman, don't touch that dial. Well, guess what I did? We touched the dial. We shut off the game. We had to get to church. And so we didn't have a TV in those days. And so it wasn't until the next day I'm driving to church, I mean to work, I turn on the radio and the announcer, it just happens to be the sports, and he goes, the miracle of Reggie Green last night, I mean Reggie Miller last night. I'm like, what, what miracle? And so he's going through, he goes, he scored eight points in nine seconds and they defeated the Knicks. I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, it's 1995. They barely have TVs. They didn't have reruns. I wasn't going to get to see it. I'm so bummed out. And this whole thing brought back to my attention. It happened on May 7th, 1995, and it was a 24th anniversary this May. And what it says, one of the greatest moments in NBA playoff history. With the Indiana Pacers down six points, Reggie Miller pulled off a comeback like no other against the New York Knicks. Uh, Miller miraculously scored eight points in nine seconds to cap off one of the most famous rallies in postseason history to etch his name in the NBA for folklore. I missed it. The most exciting nine seconds in basketball, and I'm watching the jello jiggle. <laughs> Can I tell you something this morning, church, about your life? God knows something about our lives that we don't. And I'm here to tell you this morning in hopes that the Holy Spirit will speak to you through this text this morning. Now, whether you're an old-timer, you've been here for many years just uh, heating up that seat, or you're a visitor or guest, first-time guest, or, or you're a new believer in this place, I want you to hear what the Holy Spirit says uh, to you this morning. Because I'm sure that somebody in this place this morning, you came to church and you are frustrated. I'm sure that there are people sitting in here right now. You are frustrated with personal issues. There are people, you're sitting in here this morning. You're frustrated with your marital issues in your home. Some of you are frustrated with ministry. How many leaders in here? 
You know what I'm talking about. That you call for a meeting or you call for a practice, you call for something, and all, you always get that call. Hey, bro, sorry, I can't make it. Well, what are you doing? Oh, something came up. Well, what came up? What's the emergency? See, the same way that I was frustrated by missing those last nine seconds of the game. You're frustrated this morning with something in your life. And all I can say this morning is that you need to listen to God for your breakthrough this morning. Can I tell you something? There is another half to this game. There are maybe even nine seconds left. But can I tell you something this morning, church? Don't touch that dial. Because I want to tell you the most ferocious rallies in your Christian realm happen towards the end of that Christian's life. This could be the most powerful rally you ever have. So don't touch that dial. See, there are people here, you're sitting here, you're smiling, but you're frustrated with your walk with God. You're so frustrated this morning that you're beginning to question everything. How many know you are fighting something when you begin to question everything? You begin to make statements like, am I really saved? You begin to make statements like, does my husband or my wife really love me? Do they really think that I'm a good husband, a good wife? Mothers can be frustrated to the point where they begin to say, do my children think that I'm a good mother? How many know that if you're doing something for God, how many know that the devil likes to ride us, ride us? There's people in here that you even feel like I felt at one time in Gardena just frustrated over ministry, frustrated over people, frustrated over everything. And I even made a statement, God, am I even called? Or was it just something that I did that was a spur of the moment thing because everybody thought that, that we should go out? Maybe there's people sitting, and I'm still trying to debate that one. I still haven't concluded whether I'm called or not. But maybe there's people here that you one time had a calling upon your life, but because of frustration and things not happening in your timing, you say, you know what, forget it. I'm not even called. See, he loves to frustrate you. The devil will frustrate us to the point of wanting to quit and give up. But I'm here to tell you, church, uh, that there is still another half of the game to play. Uh, don't touch that dial. Because you and I, you and I are living in the greatest generation that ever lived outside of the one where Jesus lived for those few years. Uh, but outside of that, I don't know, everyone wished that they lived in our generation, the last generation. We have opportunity on top of opportunity. This church in particular has great preachers and they get fed constantly and should be ready for anything. But how many know frustration gets us like this? 
where we can miss the very thing that God is doing right in front of us. Ooh, are you all with me this morning? Oh, I've seen, I, I want to tell you, I've been around for 34 years. I've been saved 34 years, pastoring for 22 years. I want to tell you, I've seen. I, was like, I don't get excited with newcomers that are, woo, come on, let's do it. I said, buddy, this is a marathon. You using up all that energy all of a sudden, brother, you, 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 you're going to die. See, you got to watch out for people that, that get this jump start that, and they think they, get, they look like they have everything under control. And, and, you know, here's the scary part, that, that Christians begin to admire them. It's their little Messiah in the, in the kingdom of God. And, and, oh, they can't do no wrong. They can't do no wrong until they hit the wall. They hit a, a, a conflict. They hit a, 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 something happens in their life. All of a sudden, frustrations take over, and you don't see them anymore. You know who the strong people are? It's like Danny. He stays. He stays. Chucking, baby. Chucking, chucking. Oh, oh, brother, Pat, that's okay. I'll catch up. He knows. He's been here for a while. You know, there's other men in here. There are other women in here. You've been here for a while. You know. You've fought the fight. You know Paul's been here for a long time. Just, man, just, just moving. Just going. Just going. Just thugging along. But I want to tell you, there's others that begin to get frustrated. But I want to tell you that the best of your life is still to come. Amen. That even if there's nine seconds left, how many know you can make them the best nine seconds ever in your life? Listen, you getting attacked shows me something that God has his hand upon your life and the devil sees that too and that's why he's attacking. You're in the middle of what God has for your life. You just have to get through. You have to keep chuckling along and get through. This game is not over yet. Listen, I, I can feel it right now. There's people reaching for that dial. There's people in here. You have a list of things that have gone wrong. Some of you have scrolls. Let me, let's talk about this, Pastor David. <laughs> There's wives right now. You got to scroll on your husband. What you just don't know. I'll point them out. <laughs> and it's frustrated you through the years. But I want to tell you, if you hold on, you hold on. I want to tell you, you know, there's no such thing as divorce. Everybody in my family on my mom's side was divorced. And, you know, Linda and I in December are going to be celebrating 34 years of marriage. Now, I said that to say this. I can't take any props for that. This, my, my wife is a strong woman. She's prayed through things. She's put up with things. She has held this family together. I'm a very difficult man to live with. My wife is somewhere around. You can ask her. I like, babe, I told her one day, I said, babe, if I was married to me, I would have left me a long time ago. <laughs> I would have ran for my life. I was like, you are a bad woman. I'm like, how did you do it? And she looks, I don't know. <laughs> then she begins to say, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
But right now, we are experiencing some of the best times of our entire marriage. Why? Because we held on and we did not touch the dial. See, God wants you to know something this morning, church. That if you touch that dial now, you will miss the greatest thing that God has prepared for your future. How many know everything can change in nine seconds? Just ask Reggie Miller. <laughs> After he scored the final free throw, the buzzer sound, they win. He starts running down court. Does everybody know what that means? It means choke. He says, the New York Knickerbockers choked. And I want to tell you, I've seen a lot of Christians uh, with God's hand upon their life wanting to do great things uh, choke, uh, give up, and quit. Because they allowed frustration to get the best of them. You know, I love reading about Jesus in the Bible. You know why? Because Jesus has everything to do with our lives. You think you have it hard. Look at Matthew 26, 39. He says, and he prayed, it's not up there, but listen, he, he's praying, Father, let this cup pass from me. And then we see him in, in Matthew 27, 46. Uh, he cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, can you feel his frustration? But he's saying, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Let this cup pass from me. And then, then he's hanging up on the cross, uh, not wanting to be separated from the Father, not even for a moment's time. You can feel him, the frustration of being the savior of the world and, and having to become sin and experience something he's never experienced uh, before in his entire life, uh, separation from the Father. His frustrations bowling out. And I began to think about it. It would have been much easier for him to call legions of angels to come down and take him off the cross and do it. Let's just do it another way. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew that there was a second half to the game and, and, and he knew that there was just seconds left and so he held on a, a little bit longer and, and, and they buried him but three days later he broke up out of the grave and in Revelations 1.8 he says, I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen and I have the keys of hell and death. Listen to what I'm saying this morning, church. Don't touch that dial. See, it would have been easier for him to call down the angels, but he knew that a little bit longer that the resurrection would take place and redemption would be secured for the whole world. And so he stayed up on the cross. And I'm here to tell you this morning that you still have another half to play, but you got to stay in the game. No matter how much there's still time on the clock for God to do something powerful in your life. 
God wants you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to be encouraged that you're facing all this frustration, knowing that a little bit longer, God is going to vindicate every tear that you've ever shed. He's going to vindicate every pain that you've ever endured. He's going to vindicate every frustration you had to deal with. Why? Because he's your Savior. He's your God. And he is the Lord of the harvest. And he loves you this morning. Looking back at our scripture, here's two disciples walking seven miles to the city of Emmaus. A lot of commentators say that that was their hometown. Seven miles, man, that's a good long walk, isn't it? I was telling the first, I said one time, the, 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 the first servant, I said one time, I had to walk two miles. I said, man, my hamstring was being pulled. My calf muscle was hurting. I'm like... Uh, somebody even started, dude, you need a ride? <laughs> I wish I was playing. Who said yo? Somebody <laughs> agree with me. It says that they were walking and they were discussing their frustration. It had been three days and no sign of Jesus. And their hopes are beginning to vanish. All their, their, their investments were now starting to look foolish. All their sacrifices started to look like they were in vain. All the mockeries that they endured for Jesus all seemed like madness now. And as they're discussing this, Jesus comes along and joins them, but they don't know it's Jesus. And you know what I learned from that? That just because you don't see him doesn't mean that he's not there. Oftentimes he is doing things, church, that you don't even know about. I mean, no, he spares us from a lot of junk. And so Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? And the two disciples just looked at him like, really? Don't you know? Are you the only foreigner that doesn't know? Where have you been? You haven't heard how... They began to explain what Jesus of Nazareth was crucified and was buried. And, and, and to tell you, we don't know what our next move is. I've never been there. See, they were frustrated. But it's something even deeper as you go in. Their, their faith was, was fractured. Their, their faith was Fragmented. The best way I could explain fragmentation, fragmented faith, is, is the old DOS computers, old Windows computer. Remember that you had to defrag the, 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 the hard drive because what happens is you're shutting it down, turn it back on, turn it on. It, it begins to move files around by itself. And so you have to defrag the hard drive to put everything back into place. How many know there's a lot of Christians in this place uh, whose lives are just defrag, defrag, fragmented, defragmented? <laughs> defragmented. There you go. You're all over the place. 
And God is trying to bring you back. God is trying to direct you back this morning. But they were fractured. They were fragmented. They were frustrated. I call it the three F's. Yes, made that up. And I was looking at this, and I, be, I was reading about the, all the tornadoes that had been happening in the Midwest and in Oklahoma and Texas and all that. And, and so I learned this, that they used the Fujita scale to measure tornadoes. So it starts at F0, F1, F2, F3, F4, F5. I was like, oh, wow, that'll work in the sermon. I think so saying that F0, F1, and F2, they are moderate to, they cause moderate to significant damage. But F3 and up, what we're talking about this morning, fragmented, fractured, and frustrated, that they have caused severe and devastating and incredible damage. That, that word is actually in the F5, incredible damage. How many have experienced some incredible damage in your life? Ever lost a loved one? Ever been through a divorce? Ever want to kill somebody? No. <laughs> <laughs> but the F3 is what I'm talking about. That's when the devil comes and unleashes hell on your life and begins to attack your faith like an F3 tornado. I'm talking about you're, you're living with steadfast faith. You're, you're holding on to God and all of a sudden this F3 tornado comes. All hell unleashes on your life and you're trying to just hold on. And you're frustrated. You're fragmented. And you're fractured. And it's taking you to the point, all this violence and intensity that you begin to think that quitting is an option. But let me tell you, God has a purpose for you. God has a destiny for you. And that's why the F3 tornado, that's why the discouragement comes uh, to discourage you because you do have a purpose. You do have a destiny. Uh, and some of you came in here frustrated, but I want to tell you that just like Jesus was walking beside uh, these two disciples and they didn't see him, uh, he is walking beside you this morning, uh, oftentimes carrying you. The fact that you are here this morning uh, shows me uh, that Jesus carried you in here. Uh, the fact uh, that you're able to raise your hands uh, during worship uh, means that Jesus is still holding you up. The fact that you can even praise him shows that God is still doing something in your heart and in your life. You can't see him. But every step you take is God carrying you. I want you to look back at my life. Sometimes I thought I was, I was just a, a super, I'm like, oh man, I'm just doing good. I look back and said, God said, no, 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 son. You had foul. I picked you up and I'm actually having to carry you. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you can't see him, but he's right there helping you. Your hand might be reaching for that dial this morning, 
but the Holy Spirit is prompting you right now and he is telling you, don't touch that dial. But pastor, you don't know the storms that I'm going through right now. It's almost like the storm that Paul went through in Acts chapter 27 in verse 41. Here Paul is, is being taken to, to see Caesar and, and he tells him, he prophesies that don't go, there's going to be a big storm. And they look at the sky, well, we don't see no clouds. And they decided to sail off anyways. And in verse 41, the, the storm comes and the Bible says, but the ship hit a sandbar and went aground. The front part of the ship got stuck and could not move while the back part was being broken to pieces by the violence of the waves. You know, it's not meant for, as an example of our lives, it's meant an example of Paul was on a ship that was, that was being torn apart. But how many ever come to church with a smile, but you done hit a sandbar, you ain't moving, you ain't going nowhere, and the back of your head is being torn up. There's a violent storm back there. The intensity is horrible, and you don't want anyone to see back there, so you got to put the front up. Inside, you're crying. Inside, you're broken up. No one sees it, but God sees it. God sees exactly where you're at. And God ordained for this sermon to be preached this very morning so that you can hear this and be set free this morning. So here's Paul in the midst of the storm and the soldiers wanted to kill all the prisoners, but the centurion stopped them for Paul's sake because he wanted to spare Paul and he told the soldiers, don't. And so thank God he saved Paul. And so the centurion said, you know what? Everyone that can swim, swim to shore. Everyone else, hold on for dear life. And so the Bible says in verse 44, listen to this, the rest were to follow, holding on to the planks or to some broken piece of the ship. And this is how we all got safely ashore. I want to tell you, there's going to be some of us in there with just a little plank holding on. Just <laughs> I made it. Thank you, Jesus. I made it. I made it. I mean, if we make it to heaven, it's a good thing. I don't care if I'm holding on to the plank. I don't care if I'm raising my hands. I made it, dog. I made it. Look, at this. it got me through. He said, how do you know God doesn't care how you make it as long as you make it? He's going to provide every avenue. In this case, it was broken pieces of the ship, but the Bible says everyone made it ashore. Oh, God, give me a plank that was going to sustain me, to carry me through, Lord. Oh, just get, get me through. Hallelujah. So much revelation there. There's so much other stuff that we can look, but I, I need to move on here. Sometimes we're just going to hold on and get through. That's why fellowship is so important. Not just Friday nights in your Bible studies, but throughout the week. I don't know, we need fellowship. We need church. We need church. Oh, preach to me. I need, how many know Wednesday? We need church. Oh, our spirits, you come in here off my, your spirits, oh, drag me in, get me in there. I need some church. We need fellowship. Why? 
The Bible tells us why Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. There's power in numbers. Don't, don't try to make this thing on your own. You know, if you're broken down inside, if you're hurting, if you're crying inside, get with a leader, get with a pastor. Let us know. We'll pray for you. We're not going to go distribute your, your personal business, but we want to pray with you. We want to agree with you. We want to help you get through what you're going through right now. That's what church is all about. It's not to come in and look good. It's to come here and say, God, I need you. I need some Holy Ghost. Oh, God, we need some Holy Ghost. And that is the mission this morning. That no matter how you have to leave here, you're going to leave with a renewed spirit, God's presence inside your heart, stirring you and pumping you and saying, you know what? You can make it. Amen. I don't want to just stir you up this morning. I want to give you something that's going to help you with your walk with God. Can I talk? to men for just a minute, especially husbands, especially dads. You know, women, you're important, so don't, don't, don't take this wrong. We love y'all. Can I tell you something, men? We need you. God needs you. You know, it's so easy to call it quits. It's so easy, you know, as, as you're getting older, you know, uh, you're starting to see wrinkles and you look over and your husband and your wife, they got wrinkles. And, or you look over your wife, she got wrinkles. And then that little pretty girl starts talking to you and all of a sudden, hey, who, really me? How many know it's easy to have an affair? It's easy to quit. It's easy to give up on God. It's easy to go get drunk. Any bozo can do it. It's easy to go sin. It's easy. That's easy. But can I tell you something? Your kids are going to follow you right in that direction. You know, I was going to show, I, I don't have it. I didn't mention it in the first, first service. But you know why Muslims are so crazy? Because the husbands, the men, disciple their little boys to do everything that they're doing. They teach them how to pray three times or six times, whatever, how many times they dug on pray to Mecca, the same prayer. But it's, it's, they teach their, they get the little, they buy them their own little carpet and they show them how to do it every single day until it's embedded in their heart. And us, oh, go watch TV. See, we don't have time for our kids. We got other more important things to do. I got to watch this show. I got to go to the movies. I got to go to the mall. I was reading this book, Why Men Hate Going to Church. You know why? I'm going to tell you the first reason why. This is the first reason not his, but I, before I read the book, I already knew. is because churches are so effeminate. Everything is emotional. I, I, ladies, I want, to talk, I want to talk bad about you. I'm just going by what the book says. So you can write the book to the author. Say, what the heck is he talking about, fool? <laughs> And so he's saying that, that everything, I blame the, the, the Hillsong generation, oh, and crying. How oh. I many no men don't want to cry? We'll cry in our home watching The Notebook or something like that, but we don't, we don't want to cry at church. We don't want to get all emotional, not start running around, who's watching me? We'll raise our hands. And we'll, but how I many no men, we want to go kill. We want to go build. We want to go conquer. 
We want to go do something powerful. That's why we go watch Avengers. We want to be superheroes. <laughs> How do you do? I look like, you know, I, I, I get the funny, you know, these little skinny guys start lifting for one week. How do you do? Am I looking like Thor? <laughs> no, you don't look like Thor. You got a long ways to go. But, but listen, I, I'm, I'm reading this, and he says, finally, men bring families to church. He says, a well-known statistic is that when a mother comes to faith in Christ, the rest of the family follows 17% of the time. When the father comes to Christ, the rest of the family follows 93% of the time. Do you think we need husbands to get saved and live for God? Yes. You want your kids out of jail? You want your kids not doing drugs? You want your kids not becoming alcoholics? Then get to church and serve God with all your heart, all your might, and all your soul. How many know, men? we were created for purpose? We weren't created to sit around and waste our lives watching TV. We were created for a purpose. And I'm going to get back to that in just a minute. So how do I stay strong and make it through my frustration? Because how many of us, we're living for God. Sometimes we don't see. Men coming to church, I don't see. I don't see how God's going to use me. I don't see how God's going to use me. But I don't see God doing anything. And the reason that most people don't see, not just men, I'm going back into women too, is I'm going to show you this morning. How many ready for the secret? Right, it's not even a secret. It's, 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 it's full-blown in the Bible. Okay, Luke 18. <laughs> Luke chapter 18. We have something that the disciples didn't have. We have the Bible. Is that pretty good? Luke chapter 18, verse 35. I'm getting ready to wind it down here in just a moment. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And when he heard the noise of the crowd going past, he asked what was happening and they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was going by or passing by so he began shouting Jesus son of David have mercy on me be quiet the people in front yelled at him but he only shouted louder son of David have mercy on me when Jesus heard him he stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him can I tell you Jesus is passing by this morning how many know that's a good thing? How many know when Jesus is passing by, great things are going to happen? If we could just, uh, just for just a moment, uh, uh, wake up and say, uh, uh, and begin to see what this man right here saw. Because when he's passing by, he wants to touch you. He wants to resurrect you. He wants to stir your heart. And he wants to change you so you'll never be the same. And I want to tell you, you know what frustration means? That there's things that are going on in my life that are attributed to the world. Ah, frustration in the work, frustration in the finances. Okay, I'm going to get back to that. Footnote, or a, put a, a marker there. Be right back. So I want you to get the distinction here. He asked them, what's going on? Y'all with me? They said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And then all of a sudden, he begins to shout, 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Did anybody get the distinction? It's here they are calling him Jesus of Nazareth, the great teacher, the miracle worker, the prophet of God. Bartimaeus was a Jew. And so when he said, David, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, what he is doing is he's making a public profession, Jesus, Messiah, have mercy on me. He is making him a personal savior. He's no longer just a teacher. He's no longer just a miracle worker. He's no longer, what can I get from him? But he is Messiah. He is savior. He is my Lord. And I say that because this was the frustration of the two disciples going to Emmaus. Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? They said, don't you know the things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth? Oh, nobody got that, Pastor Rudy. Nobody got it. They hadn't got the revelation of who Jesus was. It wasn't until they got back with the other 11 that they said, he is risen. The Lord has risen. That all of a sudden, they begin to get the revelation that he's not Jesus of Nazareth. He's Jesus, the Messiah. He's Jesus, my Lord. He's Jesus, my Savior. See, as they're eating, the Bible says in Luke 24, suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us and explained the scriptures? There's many people that are sitting in church. And to you, he's still Jesus of Nazareth. He's got good teachings. He's a miracle worker. He's a good guy. But he's still not Jesus, the Messiah. He's still not Jesus, the Lord. He's still not Jesus, the one that I'm going to commit my entire life to. They found 11. They said he is alive. And how awesome and how quickly things can change when Jesus becomes Lord of your life. Listen, it's when he becomes Lord of your life that you know that you can make it. I want to tell you, there was, there was a lot of times in my early life of Christianity that, that I struggled and was frustrated and was frustrated. It wasn't until I made a commitment to Jesus. It wasn't until I gave my life to Christ that, after everything changed, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I am alive. I can begin to do, God wants to use my life, my whole life changed. And I want to tell you, you're sitting here this morning. If you can make that distinction from Jesus of Nazareth to Jesus Messiah, I want to tell you, do you know how much can change in nine seconds? Yes. Listen to this. Brother Jonathan Tahaji, he goes, Pastor, he goes, he goes, nine seconds. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I like that. He says, you know whose life changed in nine seconds? I'm like, who? He goes, the thief on the cross. 
He says, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. He said, this day you will be with me in paradise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, church, look at that. His, I mean, no, his whole eternity changed in that little time span. And God wants to do that where you can boldly say like, like Paul said in Romans 8, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation, shall distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God, I'm not worried. See, frustration is I'm worried about these things out here. But listen, everything that we go through is in preparation for a better tomorrow. I might be struggling here right now, but I want to tell you, it's, tomorrow's coming. Oh, the sorrow may last for the night. His joy comes in the morning. Pastor Isaac, this, this morning on the first service, opened with Matthew 11. Come on to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. He's talking about people that are burdened with the things of life. Just put them to the side. You know what he wants this morning? How many, how many want to know in a nutshell? Ready? Pastor, why didn't you just say this? You could have avoided, saved us 45 minutes. <laughs> if you got your Bibles, you're taking those. Write this down, Matthew chapter 6. Write it down, circle it, read the whole chapter. I, I believe it's 32 or 33. But seek first. What does first mean? First. Top. Nothing else. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He said, when I seek God first, uh, I, I don't have the frust I don't allow frustration to get me because I know that God's working something in my life and I got better things tomorrow. I knew that if I stayed married, that God was going to bring us to a place where we could just have a revival and be a blessing. And, and my, all my three kids are saved. My, my uh, daughter-in-law and my son-in-law are saved. My grandkids are serving God. I, I'm going to tell you, what a great joy. Why? Because we stuck it out. We held on. And I want to tell you, you hold on a little bit longer and God's going to bring the best time. The, for the best time is coming up. If you hold on, there's still time on the clock. Just hold on a little bit longer. Your victory is coming. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to God here this morning. Hallelujah. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.